Imagine a world in which post-traumatic stress no longer robs from the millions who suffer, where spouses, children, communities, and organizations get back the ones they love. Post-traumatic stress is often treated as an illness that can only be curbed, but this is wrong. PTS is an injury that can be healed quickly so that those affected get back to doing what they're meant to do, thrive. Join us as we discuss the latest innovation in the treatment of PTSD, specifically the reconsolidation of traumatic memories, what we refer to as the RTM protocol. We regularly feature guests who have successfully cured PTSD to inspire hope in all those who still struggle, hope in what is possible. This is Life After PTSD. September 29th, 2017, a pregnant mom with three kids went to her doctor for a high-risk checkup, not planning to deliver her fourth that day. This is the subject of Life After PTSD today, uh, talking about the many faces of PTSD. And my name is Jeff McLaughlin, hosting as always. I want to welcome to the show, Shannon Rowell. Shannon, say, hey, how's it going? Hey, how's it going? It's going. It's going. So I, I'm really excited about this one because I am way out of my league on this topic, as you can <laughs> imagine. But I, um, I brought in the expert. All right, I brought in, I brought in the, um, the backup plan. My wife making her life after PTSD podcast debut. Say hi. Who, her name is Shannon too, by the way. That's a good name. Say hi, babe. Hey, this could get confusing, but I'm excited to hear the story. Yeah, I can't wait to say, hey, Shannon, what do you think about that? And we'll just see what happens. We'll let you guys decide who wants to be louder. And then you guys will both apologize. Oh, I'm so sorry. You go ahead. You go ahead. You go ahead. And we'll just, that'll be the show for the day. I'm kidding. We're not going to do that. So I'm, I'm super excited about this topic because this is a first. This is a new genre of uh, topic for us to, you know, here on the show. And we... We haven't even come anywhere close to something like this before. And yet the backstory that just got you, Shannon, (laughs) not my Shannon. By the way, if you're listening to this, my Shannon is on a FaceTime call. Shannon, our guest is here with me live and we are at the tail end of an RTM training in Orlando. And that's how I got to know you. And so Shannon Rowell, you were in a uh, demonstration um, Alan Canerva brought you up to do a demonstration to show the group that was training what RTM is, how it works, and your story uh, was a birthing story. I want you to just share, for the good of the audience, talk to me about the first three. As it's been pointed out to me many times before, there's never a normal birth, right? I know <laughs> not to make that mistake, right? There's never a normal birth, but they were certainly more normal than the fourth. Of course. But give us the backstory with the first three. And uh, we'll lead up to September 29th, 2017. All right. So I've got a total of four kids and I have one boy and three girls. Um, So we like to tell him that he is the prince of the house um, because, of course, daddy's the king. He's my oldest. I like that, by the way. I'm I'm down with that. I like that. He likes it, too. (laughs) He was born in 2010. His Uh, birth story is flawless. It was amazing. It was the best birth you could ever have, you could ever hope for. Didn't hurt. After he was born, I thought, what are people talking about? I can do this again. (laughs) It was was awesome. It was great. And then two years later, my, my oldest daughter was born in 2012. And I went into the hospital and I had to be induced with her. Her amniotic fluid was a little bit low. And so During that process um, of her coming out, the cord had been wrapped around her neck and she had come out all purple, not screaming, not crying. They placed her on my chest and I I just remember screaming at the doctor saying, take her off, take her off, get her breathing. 
And that was kind of, you know, it's kind of scary. And uh, she eventually started crying, which is good. But she had swallowed, you know, some amniotic fluid and she had some breathing problems. And she ended up uh, having to be on IV antibiotics for a while in the hospital. And then I ended up having some complications after we were let to be able to go home. So I ended up um, almost having a stroke due to hypertension, high blood pressure, and ended up back in the hospital for another couple of days. So that one was definitely not as good as the first. <laughs> this is why I don't call any of these normal. Yeah. Right there. Yep. <laughs> and then uh, my third one is a little girl. She was, um, it took us eight months to conceive her. And she was born in 2016. And all my babies got smaller and smaller for some reason. And when she was born, it was um, it was a good experience. It was a really good experience. I remember the doctor just saying, wait a second. Wait, I'm coming. Don't push. And, you know, she was out in like a second. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, and I, it was funny because I wanted her to be born on the 24th. And she was born two minutes before the 24th of oh July. I'm like, awesome. Uh. <laughs> you don't often hear of, of yeah. babies coming too quickly. No, nope, right. yeah. not really. Yeah. <laughs> so those are the first three. All right, awesome, very cool. Well, I know that my Shannon can already relate to some of this. We had uh, we had the amniotic fluid swallowers. We had the antibiotics through through the through the head. Had one of those. Ooh. Is that the one you had where they poured it? No, you know, thank that goodness. Way? Oh gosh, it was just terrible. It was awful. Now, with any of those three, did you have like extended hospital stays? We're talking like weeks, or were you just was it a matter of maybe a few more days? than uh, the it, normal. It was about three to four more days after I was discharged. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. So, yeah. yeah. We had one of those too. Okay. So um, now let's talk about the fourth. All right. And this was the subject of the RTM demonstration and you being cleared of this trauma. So let's talk about that. What um, you had some news at 20 weeks. I did. I went in for my regular scan at 20 weeks where they measure the baby and you get to find out if it's a boy or if it's a girl. Um, we found out we were having a girl. Um, so we were super excited. I think my husband was secretly hoping maybe for another boy, but you know, he loves his girls. So, um, that was fun. So they were measuring the baby and the tech said, hold on a second. And she walks out. So of course, you know, as a mom, you're like, oh, okay, that's not normal. <laughs> Something's going on. Doctor walks in and says, you know, Baby's really not growing the way that she should be growing. Nothing to be alarmed about now, but I'm just going to go ahead and send you over to high risk. So I was like, okay, we can we can do that. I'm sure there's nothing wrong, just precautions, you know. Um, so going from there, we went to high, I went to a high risk doctor and they measured her. They did a bunch of different tests and um, it, they determined that she was IUGR, um, which basically meant she was not growing properly in the womb. She was about three weeks behind at that point. When you first got that news, I mean, what is that? That That's traumatizing in and of itself. Yeah. How did you handle that? We're not even at the main part of the story yet. How are you doing so far? You know what? I, I had just had a baby. Um, my, <laughs> yeah, my third one was only six months old when I found out I was expecting wow. again. Wow. So you kind of go into this mode of, well, I've got three other kids I've got to care for and I'm just, I'm going to do the best I can and, you know, hope for the best and hopefully everything's going to be okay. So I was monitored every single week. I went in for all of my high-risk appointments, and they did NSTs where they made sure the baby's heart rate was fine, and she was moving, she was kicking. Every week I was monitored. And by the time I got to week 37, I went in for a regular checkup, 
And the high-risk doctor did all the, or actually the tech did all the measurements and said, all right, I need to have the doctor look this over, you know, hang tight. I'm like, all right, cool. Been through this every single week. Sounds good. And that's not uncommon to hear them say something like that, right? Their job is just to give those measurements and they're not the doctor, right? So probably not thinking a whole lot at that point. Nope. When can I go home, right? Yeah. Are you guys done yet? I get it. So Just like any other time I was there every other week. But of course, the doctor comes in and says, hey, how do you feel about having a baby today? And I said, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> um, no, I can't. I can't have a baby today. And he said, well, he said, uh, it's not looking so good. You know, baby's measuring at 32 weeks. You're 37 weeks. And I think it's going to be safer, you know, for the baby to come out at this point than to stay in. Um, and against doctor's advice, I told him no. And he said, I've got other kids I got to care for and I'll get back to you. (laughs) Now, did you say it just like that? Or was there a little bit more uh, emphasis behind that? No, I know how moms can get. (laughs) Oh, I got pretty mama bear on (laughs) it. Gotcha. Yeah. The mama hen got, got, I got it. Okay. Fair. All right, cool. So, um, and he of course says, okay, sure. Everything's fine. Like whatever you want to do, dear. Right. I mean, Uh, no, not not really. (laughs) (laughs) He, uh, he said, I'm going to call your OB and you can't leave the room until I talk to him. Well, I just happen to be really good friends with my OB. (laughs) Nice. Nice. Pays to be that, right? (laughs) Yeah. Nice. He's awesome. So I ended up getting a hold of him and he said, well, come into my office. Let's review the numbers. Let's see, you know, what we can do. And so the high risk doctor said, I'm going to let you go because I'm releasing you into the care, but this is my recommendation. And I really think you need to go up to labor and delivery right now. Sure. And I said, all right, thanks. (laughs) And I headed out the doors. Yeah, so I took care of what I needed to take care of with my kids. I went to the OB, um, spoke with him, went over the numbers with him. My husband was with me. And, like, I got to tell you, I was I was hell-bent on having an October baby. That baby <laughs> was supposed to come in October. And so I said to him, look, it's just a couple more days. She can hold out. She has held out this long. I don't care if it's October 1st at this point. I just <laughs> want my October baby. Um, and he said, okay, well, I'll let you go two more days, but no more than that. And I said, all right, that's fair enough. So that's what I did. I went two more days and then we headed up to the hospital. So Shannon, tell me how your, um, your mindset was going into this. At first they were getting ready to take away all control and said, okay, it's time to have this baby right now. And then they let you have a little bit more control. And you said, you know, you, you fought for those two more days. Tell me about your, your mindset at this point. What were you thinking and feeling? You know, you make a really good point because this entire pregnancy and the entire process was completely out of my control. Um, You know, we weren't planning on getting pregnant, uh, but God blessed us with a fourth. And I'm so thankful for that. But nothing about the pregnancy was in my control. Um, So I think at that time, it felt good to be able to say, you know, I got to take care of some stuff in order for me to be okay, for me to bring this baby into this world. And to maybe settle things with the other kids too, kind of feeling like you could enter this successfully and not be thrown into it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You have to make sure your other kids are, are set because you're the mom. You do everything, right? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I can totally relate. I get it. I- <laughs> <laughs> right. Right now, as we're speaking, my husband's home with all four of my kids and I've gotten a couple texts. Oh, let's so. go. Let's go about an hour long. We're going to do an hour long four episode edition of this show today. <laughs> oh, he would be so happy. Because <laughs> he'll love me. He'll be like, who's this Jeff guy? Remind me not to send him anything at Christmas. Yep. All right, I get it. Yeah, that's great. That's yep. great. 
I, I do want to say this as a disclaimer, though, that um, and your husband, maybe he can relate to this. Maybe he can. I think for like like most husbands and, and soon to be, you know, dads and everything. First kid comes along. We're over here going. I got to put a crib together. I got to paint a room like none of this is real. You guys are over there getting emails from all of these baby websites saying it's it's 14 days. And guess what your child is doing at this point? And dad's like. It's 14 days pregnancy, and I have no idea how we're going to pay for this kid, let alone the four more that she wants thereafter, right? And um, but but I always say that that husbands, dads, they catch up, right? First time they hold that first baby, nine months catches up, and you know it becomes real. But and and I was one of those, and thereafter, you know, we were my wife and I were always on the same page with the birth plan and everything. Like, I mean, I had no idea what I, what that would look like. It's like, all right, you write it. I'm your advocate here. Tell me what it needs to be. You know, so I'm sure, was your husband in that same kind of camp as oh, well? Oh, absolutely. Same deal, yeah. Yeah, right. it's awesome. funny. I'd be like, hey, you want to feel the baby? Yeah. Uh, no, not really. Yeah. Well, and it's funny too, because and maybe, I don't know, he can, I'm trying to warm myself up to him since I'm <laughs> keeping you away from him right now so that when he listens to this, he'll be like, all right, I, I'm, I'm cool with this guy. I don't hate this guy like I did before. No, but, you know, <laughs> with the first especially, you know, Shannon would tell me, hey, come feel the baby kick. And it's like the baby wouldn't kick, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm like, either you're crazy, you're feeling things that are not there, or this kid just flat out doesn't like me. It's like, well, I'm just going to warm up to mama right now and kick when mama wants to have like a warm, intimate, you know, like intuition moment here and just stick it to dad because, you know, whatever. Until we do all the work and they come out looking like dad, right? Well, you know, fortunately, in my case, mine all came out looking like mama. That's a good thing. No, There's a reason I do podcasts and not TV, Shannon. I'm just telling you. No. That's all right. okay. They all say dad at first. So That's it so true. There's truth. There's truth to that. So anyway, all that to say, like, um, I'm making jokes here, but very much involved in, in the process. And, you know, certainly I knew my role was to make sure that her wishes were honored. Okay. At all costs. And I'm sure your husband was doing the same thing too. So you at least have one advocate, but sometimes you are fighting, you're fighting against, you know, a doctor that has their own agenda for whatever reason, you know, call it liability, call it, you know, that, that sort of thing. I always say though, we are our best doctor. You know, we don't want to discount, obviously, lots of medical experience and wisdom, but we are our best doctor. And, and I would think that would correlate as well to a mama. I would knowing. hope so. <laughs> I would hope so, too. Right. Yeah. So. All right. So. So continue on. Let's keep walking through the story here and uh, tell us uh, tell us that, that how this thing comes to a, to a real head. So we go into the hospital at 37 weeks to get induced. But of course, my body's not ready to deliver the baby. So they have to kind of prep your body. Um, which they give you this medicine in, and the first time it takes about six hours. So I'm there with my sister, I'm there with my husband, and I remember looking at my husband going, it's going to be six hours, and I really don't want you here for that. So go do what you need to do. You know, men get en- like antsy when they're in the hospital setting, and they need to have their game on like when it's time. So I'm like, just go. Go go get a cup of coffee. You know, Play around a golf, catch yeah, the back nine. Just you know. do what you need to do. Um, so he did. Six hours later, come you know they check me again, and I'm, my body's still just not ready. Yeah, and Ooh. well, of course, you know I'm 37 weeks. Of course, my body's not ready. Um, so we have to go through another round where it's another six hours. So I sat there with my sister for a while and um, watched TV and talked to her, and then eventually my husband came and they were able to start the pitocin, you know, which definitely moves things along. And I'll tell you with every other birth, I kind of fought the epidural till like the very end. And then by my fourth, you would think I'd learn a little bit earlier. Um, but if you get the epidural, it kind of helps you relax. So it makes things move a little bit faster. So I thought, well, I'm going to do it right this time. I'm going to get the epidural right at the beginning. It's going to go so fast. Like this is going to be great. So that's what I did. I got the epidural, laid in bed, got the Pitocin going, 
doctor comes in. He's, uh, this isn't my doctor at the time. My doctor's monitoring me from home because it's a long process. Um, so the on-call doctor comes in and he's looking at the, the monitor and my sister's a nurse. So I turn over and I look at her face and her face kind of goes flat. And Ooh. I said, what's going on? And the doctor said, no, it's okay. It's okay. The baby's heart rate's just kind of dropping a little bit with every contraction you're mm-hmm. having. You know, we're just, gonna, we're just gonna watch it. We're just gonna monitor it. I'm like, okay, well, I, I don't know how many <laughs> women out there have had babies, but usually the doctor's not in the room the entire time you're yeah. in labor. And this doctor did not leave my side. He was there the entire time. Yeah, so it was pretty intense knowing, okay, well, he's seeing something, um, mm-hmm. you know, that's going on. Well, I get uh, dilated to about a five and the, the nurse comes in and she starts saying, okay, you know what, honey, we got to start doing some different positions. We got to get this baby you know, to come down more. And she's putting me in all these weird things. I'm stuff I've never done before, but I was like, all right, if it gets this baby out, we're good. We can do this. And then her heart rate starts dropping more and more and more with every contraction. They said, um, you know what, her heart, her heart rate's dropping so low. We're going to have to fill you back up. I know we broke your water, but we need to get the fluid back up there into her. So maybe the cord's kinked. Maybe it's wrapped around her neck. We don't know. But if we fill you back up with water, maybe it'll loosen it. I didn't even know that existed. I didn't know they could do that. Yeah. It was the weirdest feeling, definitely. But, you know, you got to do what's best for the baby. So they did. And it, it wasn't getting better. Her heart rate was still mm-hmm. dropping with each contraction. And my doctor came in because he saw that the heart rate had been dropping. And he, I wasn't getting past a, a five. I wasn't being able to dilate past a five. And so he came in and he said you know, Shannon, I just want to talk to you about the possibility of a C-section. It may end that way. And I said, mm. no, uh-uh, that's not happening. You're not cutting me open. We're not, no, it's not happening. I said, this baby is coming out naturally. I'll do whatever I need to do, but I'm, uh, we're not having a C-section. And so he, he, he let me go longer. And the nurse comes in and starts prepping my belly. And she's like, I'm not saying you're having a C-section, <laughs> but just in case... And it was so cold. And I was like, nope, nope. I was like, I don't know. Get this stuff off of me. We're not even going to go there. I'm just imagining them bringing a blanket and putting it over your belly. And the blanket is marked like C-section, marked for C-section right here. But no, it's just precaution. That's all. Yeah, Yeah, sure. Exactly. Thank you. Yeah. It's so true. You must have felt so reassured at that point. Oh, it was freezing. I just remember being freezing (laughs) cold. And I, I grabbed my husband and I said, whatever you do, do not let them cut me open. Mm. Oh gosh. And so, um, he prayed with me right then and there just for the safety of, of our little girl. And, um, the doctor said, you know, I'm going to let you go 10 more minutes, but you're really not dilating. Let's see if we can't move it along. Let's see what happens. My blood pressure ended up spiking and they had to give me something to bring my blood pressure back down at that point as well. And then all of a sudden I heard the doctor say, C-section stat and they pushed my husband to the back of the room they pushed my sister to the back of the room everyone filled I mean I I feel like it was 20 people Mm, I'm not mm, I don't know mm. if it was 20 people there were so many people there and um I was bawling I mean fear bawling just streaming down my face and the anesthesiologist comes up and she said honey I don't have time to prep you I'll get it I'll get you prepped back in the back, in the OR. 
And I thought, what do you mean you don't have time? Like, you're not cutting me open. Nobody's cutting me open until I'm not. I'm like, this is not happening right now. Hmm. So the next thing I know, I'm being wheeled down the hall, and I can just remember looking up and seeing the lights. It was like Grey's Anatomy. You know, you're running down the hallway, and the lights are just going past you and past you. And I just kept asking for my husband, you know, because he's my rock. And they're like, we're going to get him. We're going to get him. We're going to prep him. And uh, at that point, you're like, are you really? Like, are you going to have time? So I felt mm-hmm. really alone. I, I was terrified, and I felt so alone. And then they get me back into the OR room, and they move me to the bed. And for you ladies who have had a C-section, you know they have to strap your arms. And um, that was so uncomfortable. It took the control away from me. It brought back some horrible triggering memories for me. Um, the whole process was just really bad. Then they start uh, pumping me, trying to get me numb, pumping me with all these meds and um, cleaning, you know, cleaning me off. And the doctor puts the scalpel to my stomach, I guess, to see if I was numb. And I wasn't. So I screamed at him. And I said, don't you cut me. Don't touch me. I feel that. And he's like, okay, okay. And a few seconds later, he just said, you know, we can't wait any longer. Thank God I was numb at that point, though. And, you know, they they did the C-section. My baby girl came out. Um, She didn't cry right away. But um, after a few seconds... She, I heard that faint cry, and it was awesome just to hear her cry. And I just looked up, and I was like, I'm going to throw up. And I just started throwing oh up everywhere. <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> it was hard. So you sent your husband off with baby, right? Yeah, I did. Uh, and how did. long was that? He was with her for a little while, right? Yeah, he was with her for, yeah, for a while. I was sitting there yeah. alone. There was nobody with me. Um, I started vomiting and nobody was there and I'm strapped down and you know in that situation you don't think to turn your head oh, so gosh, yeah, <laughs> I yeah. start choking yes, yes, yes. Um, and then finally somebody yeah. came over and was able you know to help me out yeah and then they brought the, my little girl up to me so before we comment on this let's yeah. just talk thus far because I watched you go through a demonstration of RTM yeah you could not tell when Mm, third one tenth I don't know what the number you couldn't tell many of these details yeah none at all mm-hmm. and uh certainly with not getting triggered and everything how do you feel right now I feel great I feel yeah. I feel good yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's amazing especially the more I think about this and I'm not throwing up on myself today like I was on that day exactly. like anything would be great like I can understand that completely yeah. yeah but no that's just it's that's that's wow um crazy let's quickly and I want to talk more about that in a second let's quickly Let's put some wraps on this story and get you guys home from the hospital. Hey, Life After PTSD listeners. We're glad that you love other stories of healing, but what about you? First Orlando Counseling is the premier trauma therapy center in Central Florida with a full staff of trained clinicians ready to help you clear your trauma without re-traumatization. Childhood abuse, relationship abuse, a traumatic car accident, birth trauma, first responder or military trauma, even phobias. You don't have to live like this. It's time for you to heal. Schedule a consultation today by visiting firstorlandocounseling.com or call 407-514-4470. It's that easy. Yeah. Can you fast forward to what's the next, how how long was it, by the way? Uh, Well, it was a little over a week because she had to be in NICU. She was uh, three pounds, 13 ounces. Wow. Actually, wow. the um, the doctor had was floored that she didn't have any kind of brain injuries or anything. Wow! Um, wow! 
So, oh, and the, the cord had been wrapped around her. So every time I was having a contraction, it was pulling her back up the canal. So uh-huh. they did tell me, mm. had we gone ahead and let you have her naturally, she would not have survived. Wow. So wow. that was hard. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So we were NICU, like Ooh. you said, you know, one yeah. week. Mm-hmm. Um, she finally hits four pounds and we get yeah. to go ahead to go home. <laughs> yeah. And it was Yay. awesome. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about home. Home was great. Home was safe. As long as I was home, I didn't have to do anything except for it started getting really hard. Daily life started getting really, really hard. Um, My little one would cry and I would look at my sister and say, I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask for this. You go get her. I'm going to tend to the other kids. Wow. And, you know, even now saying that, like, it makes you feel a little guilty, but the trauma that you go through just has so many uh, ripple effects, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, I started to have nightmares every single night. I started to wake up in cold sweats, panic attacks. I couldn't leave my house. I couldn't drive. Um, I still get my groceries ordered in, but part of that is it's easier not to go to the grocery (laughs) store with kids. Um, Just, you know... everything got really hard. Um, I started having thoughts of, you know, not wanting to be here anymore. I Mm. started having Mm. thoughts of self-harm, which was something I struggled with in my past. Mm. And I, you know, I realized something, something else is going on. There's, there's something going on. And I thought it was all, um, you know, postpartum depression, Mm -hmm. but it turned out that it was a couple of things. Um, my, the birth had thrown me into premenopause mm. and my progesterone mm. levels were extremely low, which was causing all of the suicidal thoughts. So I was able to get that taken care of with some medicine. Mm-hmm. And then I did get properly diagnosed with PTSD and started wow. some treatment on that. So tell us from, because you work in this field too, talk to the significance of what you experienced the other day in the demonstration going from, I, I think you started, were you at a, like a seven and a half? I think Yes. Does that sound right. Okay. Um, took you down to, I think straight up at a zero and it did not take that long. I think it was maybe a couple of times doing the protocol through, but speak to the significance of that if you, if you would. Yeah. So I had done, um, other kinds of therapy, uh, for this. I've done talk therapy and I've done EMDR therapy, in fact, you know, being a counselor myself, there's a lot of stigma in getting the help that you need when you're going through something. So I remember going into my counselor and actually giving her my maiden name <laughs> and paying her cash because I didn't want her to ever look up who I was <laughs> at the time. And while it was good to be able to have somebody to talk to, it didn't relieve any of the symptoms. It was still always, always there. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. So when I found out about the training here uh, for RTM, I, I actually fought it a couple times because I know there was another training and I thought, I'm not facing this again. There's no <laughs> way. Um, no, can't do it. And uh, I, I did. I, I decided to come and see what it was all about. I was very skeptical. I'm, I'm a pretty skeptical person. Good. Good. We like those. <laughs> we like those. You know what? It, it, it weeds out the snake oil. That's true. Good for you. Yeah, it is. And Alan, I, when I got to talking to him, I kind of told him a little bit about my birth experience. And he said, hey, you want to do a live demo? And I was like, uh, not really. <laughs> <laughs> um, I hate being in front of people. So doing this podcast is awesome because nobody can see me right now. 
Um, <laughs> but the millions hear you. That's okay. <laughs> Just kidding. It's a couple hundred, but still. Yeah. We're bigger in our own minds, you know? It's, we're legends in our own minds. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I think it's cool, too. I, I love it because because Alan and Tara in Ontario, and, and this is one of main the main focuses of Tara's practice, his wife, is, uh, is working with birth traumas. And everything, and so I, I think she's going to be super excited to hear this. I think we'll keep it a surprise. I won't tell her beforehand. We'll awesome. just release it and say, "Hey, Tara, you might want to listen today. You're going to like this one." And uh, so, yeah, that's super cool. So you go to Azir. How do you feel now? It's a couple days removed now. You know, I feel really good. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much everybody knows about the protocol, uh, but when you're doing, like you're saying, "Hey, you started at a seven and a half. That's a pretty intense uh, feeling if you're going from a scale from zero to 10, you know, 10 being the highest intensity with the traumatic feelings. Sure. Um, and during that protocol, I broke down, started crying. I was reliving the event and I thought, there's no way he will bring me out of this. <laughs> there's no way. Yep. And he did. He brought me yep. right out of it, which yep. I remember even saying to him, wow, really? <laughs> He promised you non-traumatizing and yeah. delivered on that, right? Yeah, oh, totally. The moment you got anywhere close, all right, come back. Come back from the ledge. Yep. All right, we're going to get you back, you know, which is yep. awesome. So I, I want for both of you, both of you, both of the mamas that are on this thing right now, both Shannon's here, there are, Shannon, Raul, you're not the only story. Yeah, there exactly. are a lot of birth trauma stories out there. Probably many that just, you know, it, it, it happened. It is what it is. I, I got to cope. I got to move on. You know, and they're carrying, there are mamas out there carrying uh, trauma. So let's start talking to those mamas. Let's, let's start warming them up to the idea that they don't have to carry some of the, the things they're probably carrying right now. Any thoughts? I think in a situation like this, the potential for hope is so great because not only are these mamas struggling so deeply with their own pain, but it, it disconnects them from bonding with their babies and having those deep connections and those, that, that feeling of, of love that, we're, that our bodies have been chemically designed to share with them. And it's been robbed from us through no fault of our own. And um, you have to work really, really hard to overcome that. And I think when you get to a place where you're back um, at that that stable level where you, you know, hopefully now are Shannon, where you um, have been given kind of your humanity back a little bit and you're, you're out of like the danger zone, then you're more free to be able to walk through those and, and work toward reconnecting with those children and, and any feelings of guilt or, or, you know, shame or whatever that you've had to deal with up until this point. And I just think that the potential there is, is just absolutely beautiful. It is. It, yeah, it absolutely is. And, you know, going from a place of thinking there's no way I can ask for help because mm -hmm. I, I'm supposed to help other people and mm -hmm. how can I reach out and what, you know, who am I? Like, what am I thinking to the, and mm. then saying, you know, I'm hurting so bad. There's got to be something out there that will help me help myself mm -hmm. so I can be there for my kids and yeah. finding this training. I mean, it was just a training. It you know, I wasn't, on a one-on-one -on -one session in therapy with somebody doing it was amazing. It's, it's already been a life changer. And I've definitely realized a lot of different things about that birth experience that I had no access to before. I'm very sensitive to this in that you didn't ask for the trauma, obviously. Okay. We've established already. Right. There's no birth that's normal. This is obviously a very outside of the box situation. Um, even considering that fact, and, um, I, I was, uh, uh, you know, heartbroken for you, but love that you were willing to share after the baby came, 
I'm feeling guilty. I'm struggling with making connection and everything. It probably didn't help that, you know, we're all at a stage of life. Where we see a lot of young families, got a young, you know, friends that are, mm-hmm. and they're bonding. Mom and baby are doing great. And you're over here going, my baby's crying. I don't even really want to yeah. hold my baby right now. And, you know, just imagining that is just absolutely unbelievable. And seeing the freedom that RTM brought for you, I think it's just incredible. Yeah, it is. Speak to the mama out there that's like, all right, fine, but that couldn't help me. Girl, (laughs) (laughs) I thought the same thing. Um, And, and, you know, I think when you're a a skeptic, you really have to experience something. Um, And what's it going to hurt? And that's kind of, you know, what I was talking to my husband about when I said, hey, you know, they want me to do this live demo. I'm scared to do it. And he's like, Shannon, you're already, you're already suffering. You're already going mm-hmm. through this stuff. How it, it's not going to get worse. If anything, it's mm-hmm. just going to get better. Try it. And I said, mm-hmm. all right, I'll try it. And after the first one, I, I definitely got a lot of relief. And um, you're supposed to do it three times on the same event. And today I did my second one. And I got to tell you, I feel so much better today, even more so than I did yesterday. Tell me what your husband, did he notice anything last night? Did you guys get any time? I know the, the training kind of went late and everything, but did you get any time to just talk? Did he notice anything about you or anything? You know, you know, we really did not get a lot of time. We had okay. um, some friends over. Okay. All right. Totally so cool. No. Well, that just means you you both will be on a repeat episode of this at some point, awesome. you know, get you and your husband on here and you guys can come and talk and he can tell me, because I think that's powerful too, because, but you know, for the people that love us and know us the most, they'll pick up on things that we're not even aware of. Like, oh my gosh, you don't even realize, you know, sometimes yeah. we find out, was I really like that? Yeah, <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> exactly. It's a little scary. Oh, I'm but, sure uh, he knows a lot of stuff. I, a good yeah. thing sometimes he keeps his mouth shut, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And if he's listening, keep your mouth shut, right? <laughs> That's great. Oh man. I'm really proud of you, Shannon, for being willing to take that step. I know it felt like a risky step at first. And I think as moms in general, we often feel like, um, we kind of put ourselves last, you know, our job is to serve our families and make sure that our children are happy and everything. But I feel like knowing and, and being willing to say, you know what, I am worth this. Like I'm worth, you know, exploring, maybe I can get help in this situation. And um, that is such a powerful message that you will be able to share with your children. And having three girls, wow, what a beautiful story that you can <laughs> share with them. Because of course, as a mom, you would have told them in a heartbeat, yes, you need to get help for yourself. Right, of course. But not being willing to get help for your own self because you thought, well, you know, you're just doing the right thing and you're fine and you can handle it. And But the reality is you have a, a better reality now and, and you have a, a much happier story. And I'm just really proud that you were able to, you know, take that risky step and step out of your comfort zone and and explore that. That's awesome. Well, thank you. I'm just glad uh, that my story can help someone out there get the help that they need so their life can be changed. You told me earlier before we got on uh, on the air here that I, um, I, so when I first asked you, which is only just a couple hours ago, hey, Shannon, in fact, I accosted you. Hey, you're going to be on the, I don't even know if I asked you, (laughs) hey, you're going to be on the show. Yeah. (laughs) By the way, do you want to be on the show? No. Um, but you said uh, shortly thereafter that you were just thinking about it and contemplating that very idea and said, it, you know, this, this gives me purpose for, yeah. for the birth. Yeah. Tell it, me, unpack that statement for you me, know, um, You know, we didn't, we weren't trying to get pregnant with the fourth. You know, God blessed us with the fourth. But then you think, why did I go through everything that I went through? If you're going to give this beautiful miracle to us, but make it so hard and so challenging And even after she was born, I mean, she's 18 months right now. And Mm -hmm. I just now had the realization of, oh my gosh, my story has a purpose. I'm making a difference. I'm reaching 
hundreds, if not thousands, if not millions of people who may hear this and go, wait a minute, there is hope. There mm-hmm. is hope. Mm-hmm. Yep. So thank you to my daughter, Arlie, <laughs> because I owe you everything. Well, you know, mm-hmm. and, and someday she'll listen to this. Yeah. You know, and <laughs> that's awesome. So just for the good of the audience, because there may be people, I, I can imagine when we finally um, air this, that you'll share it with, with your tribe. And it's, you know, yeah. it's going to probably a group of people that maybe has never heard of the podcast and that's fine. And so without having listened to other episodes to really get a handle as to what RTM is just for the good of the, um, the group here, we're just going to simply say that RTM is a counseling protocol. It's a neurological intervention. The main design is in three 90 minute sessions or so that you are breaking the connection between trauma and the, the traumatic emotions, essentially just severing that connection there so that the end result is somebody like you, Shannon mm-hmm. can talk about your story and not be getting to that elevated state again where you just, you're overwhelmed and you can't, you're triggered, you can't handle it and everything. And we've seen this with military vets. We've seen it with uh, sexual abuse. We've seen it with birth trauma now, bullying. I mean, we've a lot of different things there that people just otherwise were so suppressing, you know, in the subconscious or whatever, the traumas that they were dealing with, the emotion that they were dealing with that it was, and it had governance over their life. That was the thing Mm -hmm. is it actually was controlling a part of their life. They had nightmares. They had, I mean, all sorts of different things going on. And so RTM, you know, it's, it's crazy for me because the more I'm on this journey with this team, you know, the more I feel like, I, I feel like we need to like almost undersell this thing because people don't believe it. You know, yeah. oh, it's not possible. I didn't believe it. <laughs> yeah. There's no way, there's no way this could work and everything. Yeah. And I'm going, I, you want to talk about skeptic? I am skeptic of skeptics. Okay. I got into this gig cause I was doing this as a video job. Right. And I started watching Miracles happen yeah. right before my very eyes. I tell Frank and, and Alan um, on our team, I was like, do you guys ever feel like you just are giving superhero powers to clinicians? <laughs> because I see that's what happens, mm-hmm. you know, with this. And, you know, we've we've had the opportunity to intersect with with the Parkland community, with with the those that were affected by the Pulse nightclub shooting here in Orlando. Lots of different stories. You know, just the more that we journey along the way, it's just people are getting free, you know, and it's, it's exciting. It's an incredible ride to be a part of, so... Anyway, we appreciate you sharing your story. How do people find you? You're in town here, but how do they find you if they want to connect with you and, you know, check out your practice or, or maybe connect with you more on a personal level sharing their story? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I am local. I'm a licensed mental health counselor. I'm out in Winter Springs. You can look me up at Shannon Lee, and that's L-E-I-G-H, Rowell, R-O-W-E-L-L, counseling.com. Um, that's my professional website, but I also run a mom's group on Facebook called Perfectly Imperfect Mamas, and I would love to add more mamas out there uh, to this group so we can encourage each other. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Very cool. Well, thanks for sharing. And my Shannon, thank you for being a part of this. I, I thought that you might have an interest in this story. I thought this <laughs> would be one that... Uh, Loved it. Thanks for having me. Well, I figured as much. So if you're out there listening, check us out at um, Heal Your PTSD on social media. That's on Instagram and uh, Twitter, and also on Facebook, and we'd love to have you subscribe. We drop an episode always on Mondays, sometimes with some bonus episodes on Thursdays in between. Keep on listening. The stories are only going to get better and better and better because we are going to continue to relentlessly pursue the many faces of PTSD and tell their stories, not so that you can have just empathy because you have that same story too, but so that you can hear that and hear who is getting free and uh, cured and have that same end story as well. That's what we really care about. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for joining us for Life After PTSD. As you listen to this podcast, imagine your new life and all the possibilities when you are free of PTSD, because that is what is possible with RTM. You are here, which means you're ready. 
So connect with us at lifeafterptsd.org or in Canada, lifeafterptsd.ca or follow us at Heal Your PTSD.